All right, guys and gals, welcome to the very first episode of the Football Lab. I am your host, Corey, a.k.a. Sauce. With me, as always, is Jared, a.k.a. Jerbear. And the man behind the proverbial uh, glass is Frank, a.k.a. the Loot Goblin. All right, Jared, how are we doing today? Oh, we're doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. We're going to start off talking about college football, which I am super, super excited about. Yeah, we're about, what, three, three weeks away from kickoff? I think was it thirty six days till the real college football starts. I don't know about the uh, the teaser stuff that happens on like a Wednesday night. <laughs> Two well, that weeks. usually doesn't happen to like the Mac is the only thing on TV on like a Tuesday night, like yeah. in November. So we got a little ways to go before we get to that. Yeah. So let's start with the topic that absolutely no one else is talking about, and we're going to talk about Texas NOU joining the SEC. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty insane. I I don't. I mean, obviously, it's money, right? It's got to be. It's nothing but money. Like, I, don't I mean, the Big Twelve has been dying a slow death for years. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. Well, starting well, with it's, it's the Texas show. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Texas is the money in the Big Twelve. I mean, OU is better on the field, but Texas is the money. I mean, they're the first one to have their own network, which what? they're going to have to lose when they join the SEC. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and on top of that, I mean, aren't they the number one most valuable and the number one profit earning school in the nation? Like all uh, I mean, they're in the top five for both. Yeah. I, I haven't looked at the, the numbers recently, but yeah, I, I mean, they're pretty much always in the top five. Yeah, the last the last set of numbers I looked at valued them at like one point, it's like one point one billion or something like that, which yeah, is insane. I mean, just, just, <laughs> I mean that's, that's a football program. You that's would think with all that, would buy some better players, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so it's, it's not supposed to go down until twenty twenty five season. I think it'll happen before that. I think. I think it happens next year. I think. I think. Tool. I'm thinking we're. I'm looking at probably 2023. I mean, that would probably be the safe bet. I just feel like after this season. I, I well, and, and that's kind of another thing too. Like, how does the Big Twelve treat them this year? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, probably obviously, because, you know, there's there's still the two biggest name programs in your conference. But they're going to sour. They're they one s- foot out the door. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many like. Does you know? Does the Big Twelve office say, "Hey, you know, maybe don't throw that flag in the Oklahoma Iowa State game"? You know. Well, I mean, you saw where the commissioner said immediately, uh, <laughs> "Horns down" is no longer a penalty. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's just it's stupid. I mean, I get it. Yeah, it's taunting or whatever, but come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was a Tom Herman thing. I don't think that was a Tech University of Texas thing necessarily. Yeah, I guess um, that's fair. Tom Herman was just a. He's a little soft. He's a little soft. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, coming, it's coming from me, but <laughs> I mean, you, you've seen the picture of him and Matthew McConaughey, right? Where he's like holding his hands, like yeah. a, like yeah. a little schoolgirl. I mean, like that's your head coach. Congrats! It's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> come. See hey, on the football. on you know, on the bright side, he almost ended up at LSU. So I guess I guess things could be worse. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, Texas, I know you come to the SEC. Whether it happens next year or it happens twenty twenty five. Uh, or somewhere in between, what do you think the success level of either program is going to be? It depends on how they split everything up. Um, I know there's a lot of discussion about they're going to do pods, you're going to do keep the east-west, you're going to do north-south. I mean, there's all these – it depends on how they break it down. Because, I mean, if, if it's a – you know, if they do pods and it's Texas, OU, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, I mean – Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to play other SEC teams, but, I mean, that's – for whoever's the better team that year, I mean, that's a – I mean, that's easy, easy pot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like Oklahoma's probably going to get better from this. I mean, they're already, they're already pretty strong, and they're definitely 
It's, it's not going to hurt Oklahoma. It's going to help Texas. Well, but the team I, that negatively affects the most is is Texas A&M. Their whole recruiting pitch has been, we're the only Texas team in the SEC. Well, that goes out the window. It does go out the window, but they've got a 10-year head start on recruiting. I mean, as far as recruiting. Did you see the end of Kevin Sumlin's classes? They were not very good. They don't have a 10-year head start. they got like a three-year head start. You're right. You're right. They've got got a Jimbo Fisher head start. But still, like, I mean, if their quarterback – who's their starting quarterback this year? If he pans out this year – Texas A&M is prime. So that's to... the thing. They have – the guy's name starts with a C, and I can't pronounce it. It's like Calzada. Cal, it's something, something weird. And then they have Haynes King, who I think is a true freshman. Um, Haynes right. King, I think, will probably end up being the starter. But they have two quarterbacks who have never started an SEC game. And I think as, you know, fans of LSU and Georgia, we both know the kind of football that no longer wins national championships, and that's running the football and playing defense. It just doesn't win anymore. Oh, well, if there's anybody that knows that to a T, it is anyone who's a Georgia fan. I mean, I mean, we all <laughs> saw Les Miles' teams from, you know, 2013 to 2017. I mean, that's all we did. Like, we did not throw the ball. Yeah, I, I guess, and I guess that's the biggest thing is a lot of these teams have evolved. Georgia, I feel like, evolved halfway through the season last year, but I, I feel like they would have evolved – Earlier had Jamie Newman actually stayed, but that whole transition to JT Daniels. Oh, for sure. I mean, anytime Stetson been at the fourth, if you're starting quarterback, you're in trouble. Well, uh, you know, I give it to the kids. He did as much as he possibly could, but like once we got past Auburn, uh, <laughs> there was not a lot he was going to be able to do. I mean, yeah. when you're when you're batting every other ball down, that's a that's a rough exactly. that's a rough watch. <laughs> right. I like JT Daniels. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I, I think he's too. I, I, I think know there's a lot of people that wanted him to come to LSU. Obviously, he didn't. Um, but no, I like JT Daniels. Let's get back on Texas you for a little bit. Um, yeah, sorry. We're totally yeah, it's, off yeah there. this house is going to be. We're going to go off on tangents. It's, that's just the nature of the piece. Who, yeah. Who do you think wins the SEC title first? Oh, I think it's OU. I think you OU. Think so? it, 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 if we're just talking which one between those two is first, I think it's OU. I know Texas has the money. And I could be wrong. Steve Sarkeesian may like just 180 that program in three years or some you know crazy mess like I mean, that. I really, t- I mean, realistically, it takes two really good recruiting classes. I mean, they've got talent. Let's not act like well, that's they true. They've been recruiting at all. I mean, they've got good players. I mean, you know, you beef up the offense and defensive lines. You know, maybe do some work in the secondary. I mean, you can challenge for an SC title, assuming that Bam is not just blowing everybody out every week. So the 247's talent composite for last year had Texas at five. Right. I mean, they've I mean, got talent. They are the underperformers of the top 25, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, with uh, all that they had, I mean, Georgia was number one, Bama's two, Ohio State's three, Clemson four, Texas five. And y'all, and the LSU's right behind them at six. But y'all had a huge transition. Texas had everything sustained from beating Georgia in that Cotton Bowl and then just did nothing. Well, I mean, they just, I don't know. I mean, Sam Ellinger, he was a good quarterback. but And that's the one thing. So I kind of went back and looked at, you know, all the teams that have won the college football playoff. And if there's one thing that I think the college football playoff has really proved is if you don't have a stud quarterback, you're not going to win. Oh, that's a thousand percent true. I mean, Georgia is again a prime example. I think LSU showed that too. Y'all had some QB and experience. I mean, think about. It. I mean, Mac Jones. Yeah, he's not an, a world beater, but 
first off, we know you know how I feel about the 2020 season. 2020 season doesn't count. It, <laughs> it was a shit show on top of a shit show. So in my opinion, 2020 season doesn't count. Joe Burrow, you know Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Tua, you know Cardell Jones. I mean, you just go look at all those teams that won. I mean, when was the last like non-elite quarterback to win a national championship? Jake Coker. When was the? I mean, look at the college football playoffs. When was the last time a mediocre, like a mediocre quarterback, was in the, the worst college? quarterback to probably win a college football playoffs? As far as Mac Jones, I, I yeah, and he wanted and he won a title. But to be fair, I mean, what he lacks in athletic ability, he certainly doesn't look the part. Well, I mean, he it was, helps when your all your wide receivers are have five yards between them and the closest defender. I was going to say, when you are just stacking first-round draft picks at all three wide receiver positions, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> right. I mean, I, we could probably complete this pass. And you have literally five years to throw the ball. Uh, yeah. I mean, that offensive line for Alabama last year was stupid. I mean, you could not. I mean, I would argue that Georgia's defensive line last year is probably one of the best defensive lines we've had in 20 years. You know, we couldn't do anything. We just – I mean, could, couldn't touch that, it. And the funny thing is, you look at the Alabama offensive line, and they're just they're just massive human beings. Like one, they're really good. But two, they're just huge. They're like enormous. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about Landon Dickerson at center was just like, uh, he's like a mid round pick. I'm like, that dude is a massive athletic guy. How was well, that guy? Off, <laughs> fuck that asshole. I hate that guy. <laughs> Have you seen the play from the 2019 LSU Alabama game? No. Where I think it was the interception that oh, 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 Patrick oh. Queen had, and he literally takes off from like across the field and decks Kerry Vincent Jr. in the back when he's not looking. I did see that, yes. I mean, just teed off on him. Like, that's just a scumbag. Like, we both played football. That's a scumbag. Yeah, it is. A, it's a movie, don't do. But at the same time, it was fun to watch. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you just know, and I don't mean that like I'm glad to see a player get hurt. You just know that the animosity builds from that, and the game gets crazy. Right. <laughs> and it yeah. did. It did. That game was wild. I mean, especially that because I mean, I, I, you know, you kind of lose sense of this when you don't, you know, after you watch it. But that was like 40 seconds left and before halftime that they get the interception, and then they literally score on the next play. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I it's mean, like a just, huge. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. why Why do that? <laughs> so you think OU is going to be – I'm actually going to go to Texas. Like I said, okay. it only takes a recruiting pressure to – I don't think Oklahoma is necessarily going to be hurt by moving to the SEC. I don't necessarily see them getting significantly better in the SEC. You think they're just going to stay about where they're at? I think so. I think, you know, until Lincoln Riley proves he can win a big game, I don't really – buy them as a legit, you know, they're not a Clemson or Alabama. They're not a team that, like, if they get in the playoff, there's a good chance they're going to win it. Until OU can win a playoff game, I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. Yeah, and to me, OU, I mean, they're super talented. And I, I agree with you. Until they win something big, I mean, at least win a playoff game, they're they're Notre Dame to me. And honestly, I mean, are we even sure Lincoln Riley's going to be there when they go to the SEC? He's constantly flirting with you the know, NFL. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about it as you were talking, and, you know, you may be right about the Texas pick because OU, I mean, the team they have right now is, I would say, a contender for real. They they, they have a lot right. of returning starters. Uh, Rattler looks like he's going to be legit. The defense has improved. I will get Alex Grinch was a great hire. He's yeah. Not, he did wonders with their defense. Um, 
So it'll be interesting and see how that develops because there's always that weird conundrum of when you have a super high powered offense, like can your defense keep up? Um, I think you see with L, you know, you saw with LSU in 2019 and, um, yeah. and some other teams too, like it's hard. Like, cause if your offense is scoring, you know, it's just going up and down the field, up and down the field, up and down the field. There's so many plays on defense and the offenses are so one, they get all the rules are to their benefit mm-hmm. and two, everybody spreads the ball out now. I mean, it's not, it's not a gimmick anymore. I mean, everybody spreads it around. It's, it's impossible to stop every single drive. You know, it just, it, it those days are done. Oh yeah. You're hundred percent correct. Cause you look at, uh, I mean, I'm just going from my perspective. Georgia had supposedly for two years running like the greatest defense in college football. I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but they're definitely a top 10 defense a couple years running. And Alabama, I mean, this is for last year, Alabama and Florida just ran all over them like it was no problem. Like there's so much offensive firepower and with the rules, it doesn't matter what type of defense you have. You just need a defense that's good enough to get you a stop here and there if your offense is wide open enough. Well, it kind of goes back to the Saints when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, it wasn't a great defense, but they got turnovers and they got occasional stops. That's all you need. Yeah. Bend and don't break. I mean, we're truly in the world of the bend and don't break defense. You don't have to be dominant on defense anymore. You just got to, you know, get a couple turnovers, make a couple stops, and you're set. Yeah, I mean, it's 100% true. If your offense is on fire, it doesn't even matter. If I mean, Alabama did it a couple times last year. They're just like, let people score. Just say, get the ball back and run right down the field. And it's just like it, it demoralizes people to a point where the defense can't stop a cold. Right. I mean, you just need one. I think in the long run, and it's probably better for the game because it's more exciting. I mean, we all know the game of the century, you know, nine to six. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's, it's a fun game, but kind of boring because, I mean, there's Uh, just not a whole lot going on. I'll tell you right now, the greatest game I ever watched was the Texas A&M LSU eight overtime game. Let's not talk about that game. (laughs) I don't care. That was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. I know that's Honestly, for you. I think <laughs> that was wild. I'm trying to think. I want to say like the 2019 Texas game was a lot of fun to watch, especially because it, I, I I've been recently going back and rewatching some of the 2019 games, and that game started slow, but in the second half they were just slaying it. Oh, it was yeah. just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of games out there that's just right in that talk. I, I, I wanted to say the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl game. I mean, for me personally, it's the greatest Georgia game I've ever seen. But you can't, I mean, I don't know. Some of those games. You're talking about the one from, was it 2017 playoff? Y- yeah, 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 yeah. The one we actually, we beat Baker Mayfield. And yeah, that they, was a very exciting game. Y'all were down big early, weren't y'all? Uh, yeah, they were having their way with us. And then I don't know what happened. You, and that was the last time I think you're going to see an offense run just uncontrolled. Like we just rushed and rushed and rushed. Now it's all passing to open up the run. We just, we just ran. I don't think right. we had a passing touchdown until the second half. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. to transition to a little bit, you know, not as lighthearted news. I was going to talk about Bobby Bowden pass away. Um, yeah. So the thing for me is like his prime was probably a little bit before I really started getting into college football. Um, I mean, I remember a lot of the Miami games with the wide lefts and the wide rights. I remember those vaguely. 
Yeah, those FSU Miami games were intense, especially oh, what was it? Was it ninety? I guess it was their was it their championship year ninety nine? Was that the year they won it? I can't remember. It kind of gets was, fuzzy once we get I, past the two thousands. Yeah, I think it's ninety nine. Sucked. I, I really didn't pay attention on that one. <laughs> I I was just getting into it at that point as well, but that's because I had a buddy. His dad was a huge FSU fan, so he was an FSU fan. And actually, first college football game I ever went to was Georgia Tech versus FSU. Oh, nice. And uh, Chris Winkie was the quarterback at FSU. And I'll never forget giant posters everywhere. How dinky's your Winky? <laughs> <laughs> was it Winky or Ricks that seemed like they were there for like 30 years? Or was it both of them? Uh, no, well, Winky was like actually 28 years old, I believe, as a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know That's what one his of actual. Weird, uh, went and played baseball first and came back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he was there. It seemed like he was there forever. We had the same thing with Matt Mock. He he wasn't 28, but he was like 23, 24 when he came in. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty old. But, you know, Bobby Bowden, I mean, he was, he, it was a different world. I mean, him and Joe Pa at that time were just like the, I mean, I, I guess is, is Bowden still the all-time winningest coach? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think, well, maybe Saban now, <laughs> to be honest. Frank, you want to check on that, that Probably a good one to know. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a legend. There's no, there's no denying that he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. Um, it sucks, man. Time comes for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's Bobby Bowden. Uh, wait, did I read that right? But yeah, it's it, it sucks, but at the same time, like. He, he, he lived to be 91. There's not a whole lot more you could want from a life than what he had. I mean, national right. championships, head coach. He turned FSU from a nobody into a college football powerhouse. Which is so that, that's another question. So were they, they were legit like were nothing before he got there. I mean, I would equate FSU prior to Bobby Bowden being no different than, say, like a USF or UCF would be. Really? I, I, they were just nothing. I mean, they were a big school. But then Bobby Bowden came, and they were like a football kind of like early early UCF. Uh, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like they they weren't that big of a football school, and Bowden gets a head coaching job, and he just I think he completely changed that entire culture. And it's kind of a shame of what happened after he handed over the keys to Jimbo Fisher, and like not to kind of crap on Jimbo because he's done awesome at A and M, but he kind of had a foot halfway out the door at, at FSU. Well, if you listen to Jimbo lovers, it's because Florida State wouldn't give them the resources, which is pretty true. I don't, I don't pay attention close enough attention, obviously, to Florida State to really know. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, their O lines got so bad there at the end. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's got to fall. The blame's got to fall on somebody. You know? So Frank uh, took the liberty to get us the all-time winning as coaches, and I will be a hundred percent. I did not know the first guy, John Gagliardi. Never so I mean, even. none of his wins came in Division One. Yeah, um, Joe so, I mean, Joe Joe Pa's four oh nine, Eddie yeah. Robinson's four oh eight, and then Bobby Bowden at three seventy seven. So he's a top five all time winningest coach, and the closest like there's nobody in the modern era even close to Bobby Bowden right now. Um, after Bobby is just a bunch of like uh, Ken Sparks at Carson Newman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Bear Bryant. Well, this is that's 2019. So, well, this is before 2019 and 2020 season. I wonder where Saban is in relation to all this. I mean, he's got 
There's so I, many 10-win seasons. Well, in that, I mean, and a lot of people forget about him coaching LSU for that season and winning the national title. Yeah, um, I mean, he's at LSU for three or four years. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I mean, I think, I think the worst record we have is like 8-4. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to Alabama was him going to the Dolphins. <laughs> I mean, and if you believe LSU homers, which, you know, is always a difficult thing to do. He wanted to come back to LSU, but we wouldn't fire less miles. Uh, didn't he say that in an interview? Like, as head coach of Alabama, he said that, that he probably wouldn't have ever left. He, he yeah, came he, back. He, yeah. Well, I think what happened was, so Skip Bertman was the AD at the time. And I think it was like a money dispute. Like, Saban's like, I'll stay at LSU if you match what I'm offering. And this is before coaches were making six, seven million dollars a year. Um, he was like, "I'll stay if you match what the NFL's offering." And they skip. Skip was notoriously a cheap ass, and he said no. So he left. Uh, obviously, didn't work out very well in Miami. And that's the thing: like, you see all these other college coaches that go to the NFL and they flame out. Saban didn't necessarily do that terrible. I mean, they were like what eight, eight, I think. Yeah, they weren't they weren't special, but they weren't bad. I mean, I, I'm really curious as to what like Urban Meyer's going to do because Jimmy Johnson, you know, famously went from Miami to win Super Bowls at Dallas. Right. I mean, Spurrier didn't do well. Spurrier did not do well at all. But um, I mean, not many coaches Petrino do well. Didn't do great. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to talk about Bobby Petrino because that is like some of the darkest times in Falcons history. I mean, how big a scumbag do you have to be to like week twelve? Just like I'm out. Uh, you know, everything that happened to him is exactly what I wish would happen to him. I was just like, I hope no, no. that dude gets interact with Best a prostitute. Best photo of all time. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby Petrino with the neck brace on, face covered in road rash. Just, I don't dude, know what happened, guys. Like, that's the only time in my life I've ever felt sorry for a billionaire. I just wanted to go up to... Uh, I just wanted to go up to Arthur Blank and be like, man, I, uh, I really hate that you, you put yourself through that. Because that dude... That dude. So Saban's in the top thirty. At uh, well, I'm that's, assuming we're missing a number. So, oh no, he's at twenty six. Okay. So what Frank sent is top thirty for all of college football. Doesn't no matter division. That's all time college football. Oh, I didn't realize the list went further. It so there's a there is a refined list that is just division one, and Joe Pa is the leader at four hundred nine. Right. Bobby Bowden at three fifty seven. Bear Bryant at three twenty three. Pop Warner at 311. Uh, Amos Alonzo Stagg at 282. Oh, and then Nick Saban is currently sitting at 261 as of today. So, so yeah, he's not catching Jeff Paw. No. And the list goes on, but unless they just like like pull his brain out of his skull and like put it in like Futurama style oh. sidelines. I didn't realize this. Like he's at two sixty one. Tom Osborne from Nebraska at two fifty five, and then right behind him is Mac Brown at two fifty three. That's not surprising. I mean, Mac Brown. I mean, because he was at UNC before he went to Texas, right? Uh, I believe. Was he at UNC before he went to Texas? I don't know. He was. I'm pretty sure he was somewhere like at another Division one school before he went to Texas. Well, I mean, it's a good move him going to UNC. Like, uh, aside from Clemson. The ACC doesn't really have anybody right now, so he's going to get more no. wins. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Miami, I'm interested to see what Miami does this year. This is, a, I think this is a make-or-break year for um, Manny Diaz. If, um, I, if I remember right, I, I think one of my – can't like the, one of the games I can't wait to see this year is Miami. I believe they're at, at Chapel Hill. 
Well, Miami plays Alabama week one. Yeah, no, that one, I just feel like Alabama's going to blow them out of the water. I don't, I don't know. Think. I mean, well, we can get to the SEC, I mean, the overall SEC stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami plays them closer than people think. Because, yeah, Bama usually wins these early season, you know, neutral side games. But when was the last time they went to an early season neutral side game where they went against an experienced quarterback? Uh, that is fair, and De'Eric King has a lot of experience. But Now, how does De'Eric King recover from his injury? That, we don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, he's he's apparently he's full go at practice, but 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 anyway. Don't coaches don't lie about injuries. <laughs> never, never. But either way, the whole point of that is, is Bobby Bowden, you know, he was he was the man down at Florida State, and he is the, you know, he, he's he's definitely as far as modern era coaches. He's uh, I guess he's him and Joe Parr at the top. So Saban's got quite a ways to go to catch catch him. And uh, right, I mean, Saban's not going to catch him. I mean, it's, it's it's not it's not possible. I mean, if he coaches till he's as old as those two guys did, maybe. No, because you know what's going to happen if he keeps coaching till he's eighty. He's going to have like back to back. I mean. This is all hypothetical because it could not happen. But he's gonna have like back to back seven to five years. And the Bama people are gonna forget everything he's ever done. Like we can get somebody better. Uh, I think that goes for any of the top programs. As soon as the guy at the top starts slipping, they're just gonna show him the door. I mean, Bobby Bowden even had some years where he was like seven and five, or I mean, it's real low. And then he won a national title like a year or two later. So. Right. I don't know. I think Bama fans have just this warped sense of where they're at relation to the real world but anyways bye bowden legend you know r.i.p r.i.p bowden all right um we're gonna take a little ad break here for a second um have you ever felt like your game was just a little short that you had to constantly look up at the world that you were just maybe a wee bit off here and there lift kit inserts can step up your game up two inches. Ask your buddy Adam. Adam's a short little man. He got some lip kits. He's over, he finally was able to go over that six foot mark. So visit you know liftkits.com today. We got a special promo. Uh, it is five foot Adam. That is the number five. F O O T A D E M. That's liftkits.com. Promo code five foot Adam. All right. So next topic. Let's talk about name, image, and likeness. Um, amateur football's dead. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way now. Um, yeah, it's just semi-pro, and it is. Well, I mean, semi-pro is a loose, <laughs> it's a loosely used word because there are certain players who are semi-pro. There are certain players like like Quinn Ewers, who is probably going to be. I mean, that dude's a man already now. You know, and, and you know, one of my one of the things you know I brought up in our group text is you know kind of playing out at LSU now is what happens when you have a player who was supposed to be the guy, you know, they yeah. suck, they get injured, you know, like three weeks ago, you know, Miles Brennan's in this Robinson Brothers Ford ad, you know, got a, a supposedly got a new truck and all this stuff, and then now I mean he may never play another snap for LSU football ever again. Like, do you take the truck back? <laughs> like how does this, how does this work, dude? I, I equate it to like 
so many different things, but like the internet in the beginning, it's the Wild West, man. There are yeah. no rules I mean, right Tate now. Tate Martell, perfect example. I mean, Tate Martell was, I think he was the number one recorder back the year he came out. Yeah, he was. He's been he to was. like six different schools now. He, um, and he's. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Most of these businesses are smart enough to where they're not going to lock you into a four-year contract. It's going to be year to year or maybe it's like a one-time thing. So, I mean, if you transfer, and that's, that's the biggest concern now, you know, transfer Everybody transfers if you're not the starter for the most part. So, I mean, businesses are going to take care of themselves. But, you know, what happens to these players that, you know, your freshman year, you're hot shit, you get all this money. Well, let's, hypothetically, what if Bryce Young sucks? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge risk for a lot of them. I mean, you you look at, like, uh, what was that barbecue joint for Notre Dame? They just took the whole offensive line. That's I mean, smart. Sure they want to. I think they want to sponsor, like, every major Power 5 offensive line in the country, which is fantastic. Yeah, like, I, mean, I love it. It's great. Yeah, but you're not going to lose that. Like, you're, you're, you're sponsoring some hog mollies. Like, you can't go wrong. It's, you, it just plays into your brand. Right. But, but when you are paying, like, let's just say – Quinn Ewers gets in, he gets some seven figure deal like Bryce Young. Bryce Young's got a seven figure deal. I think you were just saying this. He's never even he's taken some snaps, but he's never started a game. No, I mean, I mean, he, all it takes is one you know awkward hit. I mean, his career's over. I mean, that's true. And here's the other thing: like he took some snaps when there was just some stud talent at Bama. Which, I mean, and I mean not they still the, they still have stud talent there. Let's but not they, kid ourselves. But. No, that's and that's true. But what I'm saying is proven, proven that's talent. True. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, there's like you said, it's the Wild West. I mean, there's so much unknown. Like you know, how much of this is going to get you know handshake deals during recruitment? You know, what happens the first time? You know, your business has a bad year and you have to back out of deals. Like, I mean, it's yeah. just, there's so much unknown stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, how many players are going to sign deals and never see a dime because right. of stuff just like that? Right. But, I mean, I guess a perfect example of it, I mean, if you remove the NIL part of it, if you think about it, I mean, look at Zach Wilson for the Jets. I mean, the guy was mediocre at best and didn't really get a lot of time until his, was it his junior or senior year? Joe like, Burrow. Well, Joe Burrow, to me showed a lot of flash. Zach Wilson played at BYU. Joe Burrow played at Ohio State and then LSU. And that game against – I remember watching that game against UCF where he took that hit, got right back up, and oh, then just dude. destroyed UCF. You wanna, if you want to know where a man crush begins, it's throwing <laughs> the deep pass against Auburn and then getting his fucking jaw broken in the UCF game and coming back and throwing for like 400 yards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you knew at that moment. Like, I was jealous because you knew at the moment. It's like we got a guy. You got you got a guy that's gonna. Yeah, that's, he's, that's my. That's to quote Torello, and that's my quarterback. That's your quarterback right there, no doubt. But see, like, uh, like I, I don't know what's gonna happen, like with JT Daniels. But I do feel like he's a seasoned vet at this point in college football. He's worth an NIL deal, and he signed one oh, for sure. And he's gonna be worth that investment. Because he's a proven commodity. I think it's funny, too, because, you know, LSU, I mean, LSU was obviously going through a quarterback battle between before Brennan got hurt, between Brennan and Max Johnson. You know, Brennan's out there promoting Canes and Robinson Brothers Ford, and the only thing he's getting Max Johnson is him and his dad doing trick, shot, trick shots in their backyard. <laughs> yeah. um, which, I mean, obviously it's a different – I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, 
Matt Schatz's dad was an NFL quarterback, so they got a lot of money. But Brennan's family, like, they own a chain of very successful restaurants in New Orleans. Like, they own a bunch of restaurants in New Orleans, for sure. So, I mean, Brennan's family also has money. But yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just a different mindset. I mean, I guess everybody just assumed that. I mean, I assumed Miles was going to be the starter. I mean, well, he threw for 1,100 yards and, like, 11 touchdowns in three games last year. I mean, how do you not start that? But don't get me wrong, what Max Johnson did those last like three weeks or two weeks really against Florida and Ole Miss, I mean, that's for a true freshman in the clusterfuck that was the 2020 season, super impressive. So, with that, so with those two guys, I mean, how do you feel about TJ Finley going off to Auburn? Do you think that's something you are going to miss? Or is no, it I mean, like- it, so the going into the, this spring. I was, you know, I think I'm sure upset it to everybody in the group. It was like, LSU probably had the deepest quarterback room in the country. Uh, yeah. TJ uh, Finley transferred. I mean, they had three guys who started multiple SEC games. Yep. And then a four-star two freshman. But would you say that him starting so many was just a product of, I mean, 2020 was a cluster. Uh, but, I mean, all those guys getting to start is kind of a product of, like, LSU just not having a great year last year. Well, if Max Johnson doesn't, I mean, if Miles Brennan doesn't get hurt, I mean, it's Miles Brennan's job. I mean, I don't that's, think, that's I don't, fair. You, you're not going to see TJ Finley. You're not going to see Max Johnson. The only reason they come in, and I think the reason we saw TJ Finley as opposed to Max Johnson is TJ Finley had the most similar skill set to Miles Brennan. Not yeah. super mobile, but big arm, can throw the deep ball, whereas Johnson is, you know, he'll scramble around and, you know, makes them happen. Probably doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. So that's probably why they went with Finley first. Um, I don't blame Finley for transferring out. I think at best he was third on the depth chart. Um, so I mean, I, I hope he does great at Auburn, except when they play LSU. Um, yeah. That's- so, so here's a here's a question. So okay, TJ Finley transfers to Auburn. Is um, I'm having a I'm drawing a blank. Auburn's starting quarterback Bo, Bo Nix. Is he still there? Yeah, he's a junior this year. Well, <laughs> he, he started his freshman year was 2019. Yeah, he started through freshman. That's because his dad's a booster. I mean, he's a five-star quarterback. Don't, like, don't, yeah, don't yeah. Me, I mean, but. to me, like when you see Bo Nix play, I see that there's potential and there's talent there. I just feel like the Auburn coaching staff. I don't know if that's. that's well, I feel like they so, wasted him, or he's kind of being wasted. I mean, maybe Gus Malzahn had this reputation as. He was a quarterback coach, quote unquote, but his offense was really complex because it's not, it's a lot of moving parts, um, and it's a lot of like I don't know. It's just it's from what I understand, it's very from what I heard, it's very complex. So I don't know. I mean, anytime you start a true freshman, you know that's it's a lot to pick up quick. Yeah, no um, doubt, no doubt. But I don't know, man. Malzahn was the. I don't really ever felt like he fit the SEC. He was just always kind of a thorn in everybody's side. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I couldn't figure out the year that we went to the national title to get to the SEC championship. We got absolutely drummed by Auburn. We got crushed at Auburn, like 43-7 to seven or something ridiculous. They were the only team that held, held LSU under, like, 30 points in the 2018 yeah. season. Yeah, and then turn right around, and then we beat the crap out of them. They were just such a roller coaster. You yeah. never knew what you were going to get out of Auburn. And right. then when it came to bowl season, they just never show up. Oh, never. <laughs> give me give me the one school that you think benefits the most from name, image, and likeness. The one school that benefits the most? Yep. 
I mean, I feel like it would have to be some of the bigger programs. I mean, Alabama. I mean, I feel like Nick Saban right out the gate is using well, it as a recruiting will, tool. Bama fans will sell a kidney to you know get a five star player. So I mean, yeah, yeah I to me, to me, it's a working. Really, Nike money, plain and simple. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, you're gonna get Nike. I mean, if the boosters at UCLA and USC gave a shit, it could probably be them. But there's just so much stuff to do in Los Angeles that's not football. Um, yeah. But in Oregon, I mean, all you need is Phil Knight. And <laughs> Nike money's not going anywhere. Yeah, and you're and and right up the road from that is the Seattle Seahawks owner, which is what Microsoft or is that Apple? Was Wozniak? Uh, Auburn, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's there's just not, a lot. There's, there's a lot of money up there. There's a lot of money in Oregon and Washington, and yeah. I, but the the booster. I mean, the guy graduated from Oregon. The the owner, the founder of Nike. Right. I mean, they were they were at the cutting edge of like the big, huge, you know, gaudy football facilities before that was really even a thing. Oh yeah, I remember when I was in high school. Like I was graduating in 2005, and they were unveiling their ten different uniforms right. and their lockers with TVs in them. And I mean, just buku's of money being thrown up around up there at Oregon. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about West Coast football right now. I mean, they've got a lot of talent on Oregon's team. I mean, and they've got a lot of talent spread throughout. But they just can't put it together out there. And I don't know if it's the scheduling. I don't know what it is. But I think I think Cristobal figured it out. I think he's only been there like two years. He's recruiting Texas. He is a good coach too. Um, he he knows how to maximize his players' talent. Yeah. So I think I think. Give Chris Ball another couple of years. If he doesn't get pushed by somebody, I think I think he'll get it. I think I'll put it together. So okay, let's let's kind of deep dive into the SEC. Uh, you want to start right. in the East? You want to start in the West? Uh, well, we're on each side of it, so I mean, we yeah, can. I, um, I, I I feel like the East is a pretty cut and dry story this year. I mean, Georgia is the clear favorite, and I'm not saying that as a homer. I just feel like there's. So I actually think the East and the West are in very similar positions this year. Uh, I think, think you have so? your clear cut favorites. You got Alabama in the West and you got Georgia in the East. I think two through four could be on on the West side, it could be LSU, Texas AM, or Ole Miss. I think those three could end up anywhere two through four. I think on the East, Florida, Missouri, and Kentucky, same thing. Any of those can end up two through four. Yeah. I, and then I, obviously, you know, Vanderbilt and Arkansas got Tough sledding. I think you probably even throw Mississippi State in that in there. I think Leach is going to need probably four or five years before he really gets any kind of traction. I think they give him that long. I think Leach's biggest problem is he just he he can score points, but he has no defense ever. <laughs> I, think, I think his biggest issue is going to be recruiting. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a he's a wildcat. Yeah. I don't think he fits in in the SEC. To be honest, I love him here because there's nothing better than a Mike Leach press conference, right? But I, mean, I just don't think he fits in. And I mean, who who is gonna go? What is it? Sparksville? What is that? Where it? Star Vegas, baby. I mean, what, it's gonna be hard, hard to recruit people for, for there. And which is weird because Mullen did a pretty good job of it. I mean, they weren't getting like five stars, but I mean, he was able to get some talent there. Well, it's weird. I, I mean, I just think Dan Mullen is a weird cat. But I will have yeah, to say, I think. I think he is also, like I'll say this right now, I love Kobe, Kirby Smart as a coach, but I I feel like Dan Mullen is a better, when it just comes to football, maybe not how he handles stuff off the field, 
but no, Dan Mullen is is a smart pure X's coach. and O's standpoint. You know, yeah. Mullen, Kiffin. Um, I think Kiffin's probably the best offensive coach in the SEC, bar none, right now. I think. Oh, I for think. sure, he's probably the best in, in all of college football. He as far probably as like, is. calling plays, he's hundred percent. That dude, I mean, he's his whole life has been in football, so I think he is. Right. He is for his age. I and the good thing, and the good really thing about good. Kiffin too, he's, he's not he's not afraid to like try things that people suggest. And I think you can get, especially like these high football IQ minds that are really good at defense, really good at offense. They want to do things just their way. Kiffin's not like that. He'll he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll borrow things from other people, which I think is really. Good. Um, I want to ask you this. What is your take on Bill O'Brien? I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't even know where he's at. He's the OC at Alabama. He's, he's right? OC at Alabama. And so the reason I ask that is because, you know, everybody just assumes Alabama's going to pick up right where they left off. You're going from Kiffin and Sarkeesian, who are probably two of the top ten offensive minds in all of college football. I, I, I'll say this. I think it was a mistake – when Sarkeesian was OC in Atlanta, I think it was a mistake that Atlanta let him go. Oh, and for sure. I agree 100% with that. I, I think the troubles that – I mean, I, I know that's I don't think football. it was – did they let him go or he left on his own? Because I thought he, I thought he left on his own. He left on his own, but he, he was going to get fired. Like really? they Yeah, they weren't going to keep him because we didn't get any better. But they wouldn't kind of – they pretty much told him he had to run. Would Quinn you know, run? Well, no, he had to run um, – uh, Shanahan's offense. No. They didn't want to change it, which I understand why. Continuity usually means better things, but it, it, Sarkeesian is an offensive genius, and they should have just let him have at it. And I think it's proven that Dan Quinn is a coordinator and not a head coach. Yeah. So, I wouldn't, so the reason I asked is because I was interested to see, like, because, I mean, I know Bill O'Brien, he was at Penn State for a couple years after the Joe Pa thing. So I just kind of wanted to see, like, what his background was. So he was the OC at Georgia Tech in, like, 01 and 02 when they were, like, they went, like, 7 and 5, 8 and 4 the few years he was there. He was the OC in New England with the Patriots for a year. And then he was the head coach at Penn State for two years. His offenses at Penn State were not great. They were in, no. like, the 60s. I mean... Do you I, give him credit for the Patriots stuff? I know. I think that's – I think this is a lot. I mean, it's the same way with Nick Saban and his coordinators. And, that, and I think it's more so with Bill Belichick and his. I think a lot of Bill Belichick's coordinators just lined up and did what Bill Belichick said to do. Right. And then when they left, I mean – The, the, only, six, one, the only good one has been Mike Rabel. Yeah, the only one. But – with Nick Saban, he's had coordinators that have had success, just none have had success against him. But right. I don't know. I just feel Bill O'Brien. I'm not convinced. I'm not. I'm not doubting his ability to like install an offense. I don't think he's going to be a great game day play caller. I, here's the other thing. I mean, just on a coach to player basis, how can you look a man in his face when his butt chin is that deep? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't focus on anything he's saying. I mean, that's being silly, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. But so that's my thing about Bama. Obviously, they've got more talent than everybody else. Um, Pete Golding, for all the black he gets, he's done a really good job there. Um, and, I mean, until somebody beats them, they're the best. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to hear your take on LSU, and then I'll give you my take. On uh, you know, I was reading that same article you uh, you sent earlier today um, about the coaches talking anonymously about the SEC foes, and my take on LSU is it doesn't matter what year it is. I mean, even last year, I wouldn't have wanted to play them because y'all were kind of all over the place, but you're still LSU, and you have a lot of talent. And that's that to me, I mean, I think y'all are going to be vastly improved this year just for I do a, too. Normal, a normal offseason. You've got some continuity. It's right. a huge blow about Brennan breaking his arm. But – I mean, I think Max Johnson will do fine. I think y'all have enough talent to compensate for everything. Now, do I think you're going to win the West? Uh, you could. So, you, you know, Eric Sally actually picked LSU to win the West. Really? He picked. He predicted LSU to go 11-1, beat Bama, but lose to Ole Miss. Okay, so to, I, I'll agree with – I think Ole Miss is going to be the team that surprises a lot of people. They just have to figure out a little bit of defense. But I mean, has Kiffin team really ever played defense? No, but I mean, God, you would think they'd figure it out. Kiffin's dad is like a legendary defensive mind, and I know it's a different era, but you, yeah. So how? Back, yeah, how do you not figure uh, that out? <laughs> so back to LSU. So the Bo Pelini hire was, I mean, I gave I gave Ed a lot of credit. Not a lot of credit. I gave that. I let Ed off the hook for the Matt Canada thing. He wanted Kiffin. It didn't work out. He went with the next hot name without really doing his research, and we ended up with Matt Canada, and it was not good. Yeah. Um, well, how do you Bo feel? Bo oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. The Bo Pliny thing. <laughs> like, I, I understand what he says when he says he didn't interview him. He didn't, like, have a formal interview process. He talked to him on the phone before he hired him. There's no way they didn't talk to each other, and Bo Pliny just showed up about it. I mean, obviously so. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> I do think there were people inside of the athletic department that kind of pushed Bo Pelini on him. Um, from, from what I understand, Bo Pelini recorded the second or first most rounds at the local golf club, so he just didn't give a shit. You know, last one in, first one out. So, yeah. you know, I like Durante Jones. He's obviously was not the first or second choice for defense coordinator. Um Blake, I heard nothing but great things about Blake Baker, um, the new linebackers coach. Andre Carter looks like he can still go out there and get 20 sacks every year. So, I mean, that dude just brings the fire. And on the offensive side, there's a lot of discussion about Ed wants to bring back the Joe Brady offense. Well, I mean, that's what I was reading as well, that basically a lot of people saying his hire at OC is – basically Joe Brady light and basically well, yeah. so the OC was the quarterback coach with the Panthers this year yeah and then DJ Mangus who's the passing game coordinator was with Brady at LSU in 2019 but I think what a lot of people are getting confused is he's not looking for someone to come in and try to call Joe Brady's offense he wants young energetic coaches that are a little bit forward-thinking run some RPO stuff and have a greater attention to detail because that's the one thing I heard a lot about Joe Brady is he was very detailed in his approach. He watched a lot of film and he was very driven. I think Ensminger last year and especially Scott Linehan, I think they just kind of mailed it in. Um, I don't think they really wanted to like 
they're not going to sit because Joe Brady supposedly would go back and watch every single touchdown from the NFL every week. He watched every offensive touchdown play. I don't think Steve Ensminger and Joe and uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think Ensminger and Lenahan were doing that. So, yeah. well, I mean, there was a lot. I mean, I think one of the the hot takes on this, you know, the t- the coaches talking anonymously is talking about Stingley. Stingley is, I mean, that's the defensive side of the ball, but for him to be that talented and constantly out of position, I think well, Stingley was a lot. Stingley got hurt in the Missouri game, and he never really recovered. Um, I, think but I, like, I think it was like a lingering, lingering ankle injury. But, I mean, you understand what they're saying, because it, it was clear as day to me that they didn't know what the hell they were doing in the second yeah. game. Well, they were communicating with each other. But I feel like they went for both sides of the ball, and I think what you were talking about – that LSU does have. And I think this this last line is perfect. LSU has risen and fallen with their assistant coaches and not their head coach. It's I true. Think, I think it's that's true. true. And I think this year is why y'all will be better. And how much better? I mean, the coaches are going to do a lot, but ultimately your players, you know, and I think yeah, you've got We're all just the as players. talented as everybody. You know, yeah. we're not, you know, we're a step below Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and, you know, maybe Georgia too, but – well, your quarterback, your quarterback is going to be the one issue. Can Max Johnson do what Miles Brennan was going to do? And what? Well, I, so in so in my in my opinion, I think Max Johnson fits this team better than Miles Brennan does because the offensive line, yeah, we're returning four out of five starters, but they haven't. I mean, the guys, especially Austin Deckless, right tackle, he hasn't really been great. I mean, he gets beat by speed rushers. All the time. He's been like a four-year starter. And if he's playing a speed rusher, he's going to get abused all game. So you need somebody that's got some got some wiggle to him. So I, I think Max Johnson does fit the team better. Yeah, and I'm sitting here looking at y'all's schedule. And, I mean, y'all should be – you're definitely going to have a better record than last year. We should be undefeated going into the Florida game, pretty sure. And that's when I, the schedule gets tough. I per, Yeah, it's when it does get tough because, I mean, you got LSU. I mean – you got Florida, Mississippi, Bama, Arkansas. Then you kind of kind of got a break with L.A. Monroe, and then you got A and M to finish the year off. Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough sled right there. I mean, that's, I think, every, that's, that's every year for us. I mean, that's just, that's just how our schedule is. Yeah, I mean, I think I honestly think y'all beat Florida. I know Dan Mullen has LSU's number. It seems like, but I still think y'all beat Florida. I think they're going to take a huge step back. I'm not sold on Emory Jones. I know we haven't really talked. I mean, people are going to say, you know, it's obviously it's LSU and Georgia podcast. Of course, they don't like Florida. I don't think Emory Jones is that good. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be honest here. Like, if if Kyle Trask was still there, it would be a different story. I'd be like, oof, y'all might be in trouble. I mean, even right. with Kyle Pence leaving, but. I'm not sold on Emory Jones. I know he's well, athletic. Here's my question. But I don't think he's a pass. Who does Dan Mullen bring in on first and 10 from the 30 when he wants to change the quarterback now? <laughs> he's stuck with Emory Jones, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as proven commodities. Does he bring in the pocket passer for that, for that set of plays? <laughs> I mean, you never know. I mean, Dan Mullen is savvy, so he might do He He don't know what that guy's going to do. All right. So are you ready for my Georgia hot take? Yeah, let's, let's hear your Georgia hot take. Georgia will win the national championship. Really? I I believe in JT Daniels. Y'all have a damn good set of running. I mean, y'all have so many good running backs. The offensive line is still elite. Matt Luke has done a great job. Um, you have, I mean, obviously losing Pickens hurts, but I think Jermaine Burton has a breakout year. I think y'all have other good wide receivers. Eric Gilbert, you know, 
he's a head case, but he can <laughs> catch a ball. Um, the defense, obviously, it may. I think. I think you're gonna. I think you have a, the potential to look very similar to 2019 LSU in that the defense may take some time to catch up to the offense. But I think if the offense can win, win y'all probably the first eight weeks of the season, y'all can win the whole thing. Well, and I, as a Georgia fan, I am always hesitant to talk about national title hopes. Just, I mean, there's a lot of PTSD on this this side of the, you know. The East is just notoriously, I mean, especially in the last decade, has been notoriously weak except for Georgia with the occasional rise in Florida. Tennessee is just really Dude, falling off a cliff. Missouri's made two SEC title games. Don't forget about that. Yeah, I, I know, but they also got, you know, beat to hell. <laughs> hey, they were there. They were Texas there. Texas A&M can't even get there. <laughs> but that's part of being in the West, like you say. I mean, it's, it's, it's LSU or Alabama every year. This might be the first year that... It's not one of y'all two, but I would be. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not buying Texas A&M. I, I'm not saying A and M. I'm saying it would. Be oh, Ole Miss. That's my only one. Maybe that could, if, could if, be. if they can find some defense somewhere, I'll get. I'll give them a chance. But I, I'm just giving them a chance based off the offense and Kiffin. But I, I, I agree, the defense has got to be able to do something. Well, like I'm, we said, like we said at the beginning, they just got to get some turnovers and make a couple stops. So they gotta do. But, but coming back to Georgia. I, I, they have everything, and, and I like think, in my I heart think of hearts, your best chance to win an championship. It's if the they best don't chance. Win it this year, I don't know if Kirby ever wins. Yeah, I I have to agree, and I hate to be that guy to say you know if they don't do it this year, they never will. But I just don't know what more talent you could possibly have on one squad, both right. sides of the ball. I mean, you have a complete team, all three phases. You've got all the coordinators. You've got the staff. You've yeah, got Muschamp. everything. I mean, Muschamp being able to step in for Cochran, I mean, that's huge. Just right, immediately. Right, right, right. For sure. And I, don't, and I don't know what – I mean, I know it's just special teams. But just having a head coach on your squad being paid by another school, <laughs> yeah, that's huge just to have that. It's, yeah. it's – it's, and, you know, even if Daniels gets hurt, I'm really high on Carson Beck. I don't think um, – that is a concern because he has some injuries. He has an injury history. Um, yeah. Like I said, I really like JT Daniels. Um, I, I, y'all are my pick to win that championship. For sure. I, I, I'm afraid to say it out loud. Clemson, I, I, I want to believe. Quarterback. Alabama's replacing a quarterback. Ohio State's replacing a quarterback. A&M's replacing a quarterback. Florida's yeah, replacing a quarterback. There's a lot. The only two schools that have, to me, is Oklahoma and Georgia because they have – the quarterbacks coming back and they have all the pieces around them. Like they have everything. Now right. Alabama could just be Alabama. Yeah. LSU I mean, this could is, be LSU, you, you Ohio State. That, you say the same thing about Oklahoma that you're saying about Georgia. You know, it's, yeah. They have it's everything. Year. If he doesn't win it this year, he may never play. Yeah. And I, um, I don't know. I mean, the only weak spot, I guess you could really say for Georgia's secondary, but I mean, they brought in a lot of talent just in the, I mean, France- the, the West, yeah, the West Virginia pickups huge. Well, West Virginia, and then to get the get Kendrick from Clemson is huge. I mean, I know he got kicked off the squad, but from what I've read, a lot of players at at Clemson were upset that he was dismissed. They thought he needed help more than anything, so they thought just dismissing him was play that shit. Do what now? Said Dabo doesn't play that shit. No, no. (laughs) All right, but um, let's go conference by conference, and let's kind of talk about like the top teams. So we'll start with we'll start with the Pac-12. 
It's Oregon and everybody else. Um, yeah, I don't think it's even close. It's got to be just Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, USC maybe, but I don't uh, I don't think USC is going to be able to do it. Um, I mean, they've got Clovis, but... Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, Oregon's got the most complete team in the Pac-12, and I don't sure. see who... I don't see anybody challenging them. Yeah. I mean, they're going to um, get in shootouts for sure because it's just Pac-12 football, but they're going to win. Right. Big 12... Um, <laughs> How much? I mean, I obviously, think, OU, the you know, do you buy any of the Iowa State hype? I mean, I I think they're pretty good. I think they are pretty good. Um, Brock Purdy is, he's he's a pretty good quarterback. He uh, the guy with the, uh, all the running back too. He's pretty good too. Isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know, man. The depth at OU, I think, is going to win the day against Iowa State. I mean, do yeah. they even have to play each other this year? Yeah, every every Big 12 team plays each other. Do they? Yep. Okay. I, I just don't see OU or Iowa State beating OU. I just don't see it happening. What in what week was that? Would that be? Yeah, it's the second to last game, and then they got to go. They go Texas, <laughs> Texas Tech, Oklahoma, TCU. That's a rough stretch. Yeah. Um. Okay. Big 12. Um. I'll tell you who I would not be surprised if they made a run of the Big 12 title is Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if it's not if it's not OU, it's Wisconsin. It'll um, be interesting to see how much Graham Mertz grows from year one to year two. And I and I am saying win the whole conference, not just yeah, their yeah. respective yeah. sides. Cause no, the, I, agree, I agree with that. Yeah. If it's not OU, it's Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, I just don't feel like anybody else is really set. I think Texas is a year away at best. They had, I mean, they had a lot of talent come in, but I don't, I mean, it's a new quarterback this year and a new coach. Um, yeah, no, for it's, sure. It's not not likely at all. But I do think Steve Sarkeesian is going to turn them around pretty quick. I do, if he can hide the tequila bottle. Um, <laughs> and not eat his boogers. Not eat his boogers. <laughs> Uh, ACC, um, Clemson, Clemson, Miami. Say it again, UNC. Yeah, you know, honestly, it depends on how this Georgia game goes. If if Georgia absolutely blows out Clemson, which I don't think is going to happen, but if that were to play out, I think UNC and Miami. I mean, depending on how Miami plays Bama, how Georgia plays Clemson, to me says a lot about what. Miami and UNC do in the ACC this year. Yeah, I wouldn't see Mac Brown. I wouldn't mind seeing Mac Brown get another national championship before he retires. You think he can pull it off at at UNC though? Uh, with the with the quarterback they have now, probably. Yeah, I mean he is good. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I feel like they were a more talented team last year all around. To be honest, I feel like they've probably. I, I don't know that they're know, a better they've team. Recruited, he's recruited very well. Since do you th- I mean, but do you think they're a better team this year than last year? I think their defense will be better because I'm pretty sure they brought in some good defensive players. And I think that was their biggest issue. And, I, and they're not going to be as good as the running back position, obviously, but I think they'll be better at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I could I could agree with that. But see, like USC, like I mean, you got Miami at Alabama. You got Georgia at Clemson. UNC starts the year off with... Virginia Tech, Georgia State, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Duke, Florida State. 
they're going to win those games. And then it's the Miami UNC game. And to me, that's, and then you follow that up with UNC Notre Dame. Those two games will tell me what UNC is going to be. Right. I don't see, and they don't have to play Clemson this year. So. (sighs) Not to the title game. And see, does Miami play Clemson this year? It does not look like they do. Right. They do do not. So, I mean, it's either going to be Miami or UNC. And then it would have to be Clemson. And then as far as the outright winner, I think it's kind of a toss up. Because I'm not sure. Everybody says that Clemson, like when they talk about the most, you know, complete teams coming back, a lot of people keep mentioning Clemson right off the gate. And I'm not sure if I buy into that just yet. Uh, I mean, they've obviously recruited very, very well. Uh-huh. They have, but they had a lot of people transfer out. And they lost a That's lot true. of people That's just true. between seniority and the draft. But they had a lot of people draft out. Or uh, transfer out, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, who do you think? Who do you think out of? Did we? Did we get all the the conferences? Covered the five, five, five conferences. Yeah, out of all those, who do you think is the biggest pretender? We're including the SEC. I, I'm saying out of all conferences, yeah, SEC included. Who who is the biggest pretender for a national title? I'm gonna say AM. You think AM's the biggest pretender? Yeah. See, I think it's Notre Dame. Well, I, I almost don't count Notre Dame because, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's true. Because I mean, yeah, they play Power Five teams, but I don't know. I just don't feel like they're under the same week to week pressure that a Power Five program. And, and that's why I think they're the biggest pretender because they're going to show up in a playoff game and they're going to get their asses handed to them right. again right. because they're not tested. I don't know, man. I think, I mean. If they go undefeated, and I didn't look at Notre Dame schedules, so I don't know who they play. Yeah, I'm looking if, right now. If they go undefeated, you have to put them in. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're going to get in. And well, we'll you don't see. have to put them in. They're, they're going to put them in. Yeah, because yeah, they're a huge market. And right now, the first game that pops out is they play Wisconsin, they play UNC, they play USC, and they play, I guess you could say Cincinnati. I don't know. I don't think they win all those games, but I think I don't think it's. I don't think it's yeah, it's going to be a big transition losing there, Ian Book. I mean, both left, yeah. And see, Ian Book, I think, was underrated. I think he was a great college quarterback. I don't think he's going to do anything right. in the right, NFL. Right. No, I agree. With that. I agree with that. But I mean, the dude could win games. Yeah. He he, uh, he won a lot of games for him, but I just don't think I think Notre Dame's got to join a conference. To actually so, push themselves sure, over the edge. I'm pretty sure I looked, and the reason I say texting them because I'm pretty sure I looked at their schedule, and then they play Alabama, and I think the week after they play Alabama, they play Ole Miss. I can see them losing both those games. Yeah, and if I, I mean, they play. I think their schedule is pretty terrible this year. Well, yeah, I mean, Jimbo finally got them to you know stop scheduling teams like Clemson. So I mean, they open the season <laughs> with like Colorado, and then they play like Abilene Christian. They play Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico, Arkansas, yeah. Mississippi State. And then on October 9th, it goes Alabama, Missouri, South Carolina. That's what it was. Auburn. I think they could, I, could, I could see them losing to Alabama and then having the whole Alabama hangover and getting beat by Missouri. And then they got to play South Carolina, Auburn, Ole Miss, the Prairie View, and then they play LSU. Yeah. And I believe that's at LSU. It is. We, yeah. we get we get we get AM and Florida and Auburn at home this year. Yeah, yeah. I'm I know 
Texas A&M's not beating y'all at home. I've I've been there firsthand. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's we, if we got a full stadium though. Well, that's true too. Okay, so I know this is not one of our topics at hand. Do you think we actually complete the whole season? I think we do. I think we do see another like restriction on people that can go to games and things like that. But I think we finish the season. I, I think we're going to get like six weeks into the season. They're going to do something. I just feel like it's not going to make it the they whole season. They can't. They can't afford to shut it down. I don't think they can either. Like it's going to have to happen, but I don't think they can go full capacity for the whole season. That well, I think it wrong. depends on how quickly they determine if people. Because I mean, that's that's the big thing right now is they're pushing pushing vaccination rates, and I don't really want to get too deep off into this. But no, neither. <laughs> they they just need to figure out if we need the boost shot or not. If we need the boost shot. Get everybody the boost shot. Let's go. But yeah, that's that. Let's 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 move on. Yeah. Um. All right, Coach is on the hot seat. Um, as far as the SEC goes, I don't really see anybody on the hot seat. No, I think and there's a maybe, lot of I think there's a lot of pressure on coaches like Jimbo and Ed O'Dron. But Jimbo's and, got a ten year guaranteed contract. Not no, 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 no. I'm not saying like a hot seat for fire. I think it's just a lot of pressure to win. Oh, right. But but I don't think anybody in the SEC except for maybe Mike Leach, maybe, but I don't think they'd do that. They can't they can't afford to do that again. They turned no. around on Joe Moorhead so quickly they can't they can't but do that again. I don't think there's anybody in the SEC that's in danger of losing their job this year. Uh, I think to, the high the the one that probably has the highest chance is Ed. And if and the only reason I say that is because if Ed goes seven and five, they have I mean they've got enough and you know the ongoing stuff to LSU that they can do it. I guess that is true. I mean um, I know, uh, yeah, I know that's, that's, that's deep in the weeds and we won't get into all that, but yeah, but yeah that, I, I guess I could agree with you. And if, and if, if I'm LSU and we do fire at or drawn, I'm, my first call is to Ole Miss and I'm making Kiffin payments and tell me now. And then my second <laughs> call is to ULL because Napier's waiting on something. He turned down Auburn, he turned down Tennessee turn down a couple others i'm sure he's waiting on i guess either alabama or lsu that's the only two that make sense and what about cristobal do you think i mean i know they just paid him a fat contract do you think he leaves Oregon? <sighs> is cristobal from the south though i don't think he is no 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 he's i think he's from out there i, I could see him never leaving yeah i mean that'd be my thing i think you have especially in the sec especially like a high profile school like an lsu or something you have to have someone who's familiar with the south. you can't just go hire a west coast guy it doesn't work. Oh, Mario Cristobal is from Miami, Florida. So, ugh. maybe I don't know. I like but, Cristobal, but he's getting five and a half million dollars a year from I mean, Oregon. Ed's getting like seven. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, but it's not a whole lot of incentive because he. I mean, he's he's running the Pac-12 right now. <laughs> but Cristobal, he he was he coached for Saban, didn't he? At some point. Uh, you know what? I think he did. Yep, 20, 2013 to twenty sixteen, he was assistant head coach, O line coach, and I'm I mean, I feel like every, at this point, everybody's coaching Saban. Um, yeah, no doubt. His his coaching tree is just stupid. I, I my first call would be to Kiffin. I make Kiffin tell me no, and then my second call is probably to Billy Napier. So okay, so going back to the hot seat topic, at college football at large, who do you think's the hottest seat? I, I personally think it's it's Michigan. I don't yeah, see. Michigan's up there. I just don't know who else they get. I think Michigan's falling into the trap of 
they think they're more important than they really are because they're a quote-unquote blue blood. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, Todd Helton at USC, I feel like he's supposed to have been fired like four or five years now. He's still there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, until they fire him, I'm just going to keep saying Todd Helton. Uh, I, I feel like Scott Frost at um, Nebraska is probably... Same thing as Michigan, though. I mean, who are you going to get? I, I mean, I know that's, uh, I know, but I, at some point you got to just give somebody else you a bring shot. Back Bo Pelini? Bo Pelini had a better mm. record than Scott Frost did. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, I don't understand how Scott Frost had so much success at, what was it, Western Michigan? He was at, U- he was at UCF for a while. Yeah, <sighs> that's right. Did he, I don't know why. Oh, one he... thing we didn't talk about when we are talking about the SEC, what do you think about Josh Heifel? Say that one more time. The Tennessee head coach? Oh, what do I think about him? Yeah. I think they uh, downgraded I don't know how. It's, they somehow downgraded it. Well, much. I mean. I mean, Pruitt with, wasn't great, but I don't. I mean, Heifel took over a good UCF program and went like. Yeah. Seven and five. But I think the whole issue with Tennessee right now is they are. I mean, who are you going to get? Well, they're, to in, that they're, job? In the, they're in the Ole Miss Matt Luke phase. Like, who, who do you realistically hire that's going to, you know, suck it up for a couple of years and deal with all the bullshit? Yeah, I mean, who's going to take that? Nobody's going to take that job right now. Especially, I mean, they haven't even issued all the fines and sanctions against them. Like, they're still going through that. Yeah, so. I mean, we, LSU supposedly still has sanctions coming too for basketball and football. So, we'll see how all that goes. <laughs> um, hopefully, it just all ends up with Missouri getting the axe again. Uh, you ever heard that joke? No. Anytime somebody's like, gets like in trouble with the NCAA, the running joke is, well, Missouri better watch out. <laughs> Like I'm pretty sure Missouri had like not super severe infractions that they self-reported, but they still got like the hammer dropped on them for some reason because this Missouri nobody gives a shit. Yeah, I I do remember that because they were just like, wait a minute, we we were trying to do the right thing, and it's like, now nah, we're making an example of you. <laughs> um, let's see here. What we're gonna do for the last you know 15, 20 minutes of the podcast is Frank's gonna pick a random topic. We're just going to kind of spitball I and mean, not any different than what we've already kind of been doing where we're just going to bounce around. Um, but it's just going to be random topics. Some might be sports-related. Some might not be sports-related. We're just going to kind of bullshit. So the random topic for this week, uh, toughest Olympic sport, winter, summer, and both. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm going I'm to stick with what we talked about before the podcast. I think distance running is incredibly tough. I think. So like, so it's yeah, tough so. physically. It's tough mentally. Did you did you see the video? There's actually funny mention. There's a video today of like a French racer in one of the long races. You know how they have like the tables with the cups of water? Yeah. He ran his hand across the table and knocked off all the cups of water except for the last one. <laughs> I was just like ten out of ten played by that guy. Like, that's, that's, just, that's, that's great. That's, boy, that's the French in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, France. Uh, toughest winter sport. I, I, I'm gonna have to say for summer. I mean, I, I think long distance running. I think the next toughest. Uh, God, I don't know. I mean, I guess if we're gonna go Olympic store, I, I guess baseball because I mean the failure rate is seventy percent of the time, and you're considered yeah, Hall of I Fame mean, worthy. I, I, I don't know. Baseball's tough. I feel like there's really only realistically only like four nations that are going to win baseball. That's true, too. I mean, it's going to be Japan or... Wrestling is probably... Wrestling is obviously physically tough. 
Um, yeah. I think powerlifting. Powerlifting. Power, power, powerlifting is going to be physically tough. I think archery is mentally tough for some of the uh, skeet shooting. Uh, you got to be pretty yeah. good at that. I tell you, it's not mentally tough. But just, just judging by how they stand, the sharpshooting <laughs> competition is like they just got their hands in their fucking pockets. <laughs> well, do, they do the. Uh, Which my are... one of my favorite one of my favorite winter sports is the cross country skiing shooting extent. I love that. I don't know why. It's just it's such a random sport, but it's fucking it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it makes me feel like that originated from some like old like war. Oh, training. for sure, it was some it was some event like probably Norwegians came up with. They're like, yeah, we're gonna fucking dominate in this war for the next hundred years. That's what the Vikings did when they found out about guns. <laughs> yeah, and fuck throwing these axes. I'm gonna ski for you know thirty minutes, and then I'm gonna get off my skis, and I'm gonna shoot this BB gun at a target, and I'm gonna hop back on my skis. Yeah, uh, I think the toughest winter sport has got to be either speed skating or uh, I, I feel like speed skating's just got to be so tough. The long distance jumping, I feel like that's probably pretty tough. That's got to be. I, I mean, mean, like the air, like the the ski thing where they just have like a series of jumps and they do like all the crazy flips. It's probably, it's probably pretty tough. I, I know it's probably not the toughest sport, but it is definitely the one that's got the. Uh, the, the most the uh, curling, I feel like you gotta be you gotta be dialed in to get that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I wonder how many people have to go to Adderall rehab from curling. <laughs> I mean, probably probably, probably all, all the all the Americans. Yeah, for sure. Especially if Scott Cochran's coaching them. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about something else. I want something else Olympic related, but I'm drawing a blank. Oh, do you think this is the worst Olympics of all time? I haven't watched a single event. Um, I mean, I think because of COVID and the fact that there's no one involved, it definitely is missing something. Like, I feel it like just nobody's doesn't... talking about it. No, and you, what's crazy? The only article that I that I read, like, I would kind of check on the medal counts because I'm petty like that. Well, yeah, USA number one, obviously. Well, there was an article that came out uh, probably four or five days in, and it was just basically just shitting on the U.S. It was just like, well, China's the superpower now. And then the last day, we take the lead in all three categories and total medal count. And I'm just like, suck yeah, at China. Fuck you, China. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that, and that writer that potential wrote Chinese that. Sponsors, we didn't actually mean that. It's just a joke. No, um, I, did, I did mean that. <laughs> I, I, I speak for the podcast. It's a joke. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I've, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it's the time zone thing or what it is, but I just feel like uh, I don't hear anything about these Olympics, except for like some stuff else on Twitter every now and then. Yeah, I, I will have to say this seemed like one of the strangest Olympics of all times. The fact that it's the 2020 Summer Olympics and we have four months left in 2021. Yeah, I, that's true. That's true. N- nobody being there. Um <sighs> Yeah, and it just it just seemed off. Like to, the I guess the biggest story is probably to, Tokyo. Like the citizens of Japan didn't want the Olympics there at all, but it was there nonetheless. Well, I mean, and I, I guess I've heard more about you know the stories around the Olympics, which is usually the case. You hear more about the stories around the Olympics. Sometimes you do about the actual Olympics. You hear about the cardboard beds, how they don't want to have sex. It's just like. I mean, for a country that has, like, vending machines that sells girls' panties, I mean, Japan's pretty fucking weird. 
Well, I've been to Japan and I, I love it there, but y- you're right. There is something just a little bit off. That's, it's a culture thing, isn't it? Like they're very open. They're open, but they're prudish at the same time. Yeah, it, there's something I can't quite. I, I don't know. I don't know how to put a finger on it. it it's very. It's different. I, I don't want to say weird. Finger on it. Finger in it. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any tentacles, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to end the podcast right there. That's <laughs> um, we'll be back at some point. I don't I don't know how regularly we're going to be doing this. Um, uh, thanks for tuning in, I guess. Say bye to the people, Jared. All right. I, uh, I don't like any of you. <laughs> Just kidding. Thanks for tuning in, and I uh, hope to see you soon. And uh, we'll talk about hopefully soon. Hopefully, too, oh. we'll actually be talking about some football games. Hopefully so. And one more thing before we go, Adam, you're short. <laughs>